You got your Bibles? Lift them up and repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Actually, this is my hymn book, but this is today my Bible. (laughs) Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You sound great. And we'd like to welcome uh, Dennis Sublett back from his surgery. Yeah. He was up in Springfield, Missouri for 10 days, and they said that was all they wanted him, and they sent him back home to us. So we're glad you're doing well and you're recovering well, Dennis. Good, good to have you here. We are in the second week of our series called Superheroes, which is why some of you are wondering why I'm wearing this shirt. It's a superhero shirt with different emblems. And, and we're talking about people in the Bible that aren't necessarily the people that you would think of of being a superhero. Amen. We're talking about people that are just normal people that, that day in and day out, they're just like us. You know, when you think of Moses and, and maybe David, you think, of, wow, these people are, are super. There was, there was something special about them. But the truth is, guys... They're people just like me, and they're people just like you. Today we're going to be talking about Simon the Cyrene. And some of you probably don't even know who he is, but we're going to introduce him in the Bible. I think we're going to uncover some things you're really going to like. And and I'm trying to match up superheroes in in the comic book world with superheroes in the Bible. So each week as I'm thinking about who we're talking about, like last week we had Rahab, and I thought, well, she could be Wonder Woman. So we had Wonder Woman last week. This week... I'm looking at Spider-Man. Spider-Man is a superhero that I'm looking at. And, and many of you know Spider-Man. He, well, well, let me ask you this. Before we, get, we jump into this, I've got, I've got some, some goodies up here that I'm going to give to somebody. If you can answer this question. If you can answer this question, raise your hand, and I may call on you to come get the prize. What is Spider-Man's real name? What is his real name? Anybody? Peter Parker. Miss Clary, you win. Come on up here. Right now. Come on up. Come on up. Now, I find it very ironic that the owner of the fitness center is winning candy, ladies and gentlemen, right here. I'm giving her some candy, so you can, you know, give this to children or eat it as you will. I would ask you to wait till after the service, but, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. Thank you. Let's give her a big hand, bad. everybody. Is there, a child I can give this to? is there a child you can give this to? Are there any kids that would like candy? There you go, your grandson, right there. Right there. There you go. <laughs> but Peter Parker... Teenage kid, those of you that know anything about comics or maybe saw the movie, just a teenage kid, he's a nobody. And Peter ends up in a laboratory. Well, let me say it this way. Have any of you ever been at the wrong place at the right time or the right place at the wrong time? Would you say that's happened in your life? Well, Peter Parker fits that bill. He ends up at the right place at the wrong time or the wrong place at the right time, and this spider comes down, this radioactive spider, and it bites him on the hand, and all of a sudden, he turns into this superhero. He becomes this superhero with spider-like abilities. But he is an unlikely hero, just like Rahab was. He didn't ask for this to happen. It's just something that happened to him when this crossroads came in his life. And so it was with Simon the Cyrene. He didn't ask for what happened to him, but let's talk about what the scripture says. Let's look. Mark chapter 15, verses 17 through 21. It's on the screen or in your notes. Take a look and follow along with me. They dressed him, Jesus, up in purple, and after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him 
and they began to acclaim him, Hail, King of the Jews. They kept beating his head with a reed, and they spit on him. And kneeling and bowing before him, they mocked him. They took the purple robe off him and put on his own garments, and they led him out to crucify him. This is the moment of Jesus' crucifixion. And so we get the story of what's gone on to him. And you all know the story. But Jesus has been beaten, crown of thorns, literally almost beaten to death. And now they're going to lead him out and he's going to take his cross to Calvary, to Golgotha. And so as Jesus is walking along the road, remember there are crowds that are lining the roads, screaming at him, hollering at him. There's hundreds, maybe even thousands of people packed on these roads as Jesus is walking towards his hill. And as he's walking along, he stumbles and falls, and it becomes obvious to the Roman soldiers that he's not going to be able to carry this cross by himself. And so seemingly at random, they pick a man out of the crowd to help him carry the cross. Simon the Cyrene. Look at verse 21. They pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, and in parentheses it says the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. He's at the right place at the wrong time or the wrong place at the right time. Now, Simon the Cyrene is one of these two. Now, for us to really understand the significance of why he's even mentioned, I want us to look back in history. And I studied this out in the last week or so, and it's very, very interesting. And I want you to listen today. I want you to really open your heart and your mind and watch what God does through this simple man. Simon lived in a place where it's called Cyrene, it was really modern-day Libya. If you look at a map, you can look at it in modern-day Libya. And back when Alexander the Great was conquering the known world, after he died, his kingdom was divided up into four different kingdoms, and Jews were spread all over the Middle East and even into in some parts of Europe. And so it was during this time that a colony of Jews was thrust out, and they went and lived in modern-day Libya. Cyrene, where Simon was. Some scholars feel like Simon may have been a black man. Some weren't sure if he was just Jewish. He was of Jewish descent either way. Didn't matter. But Simon was now 900 miles away. You say, well, why was he in, why was he in Jerusalem at all? Well, imagine this, if you will. He's 900 miles away, and what theologians and scholars tell us is that he had traveled those 900 miles to be there at Passover. Remember, Jesus was crucified during the Passover season. So there were people back in the ancient days that would travel to Jerusalem for Passover, which is why they had all these big crowds. So imagine with me for a moment that Simon has made plans, maybe for years and years, to travel. It would take him over a month to travel those 900 miles, maybe even longer. It was a very dangerous trip. It was also a very expensive trip. So he's paid all this money. He's taken all this danger on himself, planned all this time in advance, and he's on his way to Jerusalem. He finally gets to Jerusalem, hears about the uproar, and, and we don't know if he knew who Jesus was before this time or not. It really doesn't matter. Simon's in town for the Passover, for the Jewish feast. And hearing the crowd, hearing what's going on, he just kind of grows with the crowd, crowds along the road. And, and in the course of, of these prisoners walking up the road, Jesus stumbles and falls somewhere in front of him. 
And seemingly at random, a Roman soldier turns around and just looks for a man in the crowd who he thinks will be strong enough to carry this cross, this cross beam. And he picks Simon. says, you, come here and carry this cross. Now, to you and I, that may not seem like a huge deal. But if you look back at Jewish history and even today the way they do things, if you touch any kind of blood at all, you are all of a sudden unclean and you cannot partake of the Passover. So when Simon leans down and grabs Jesus' cross, which is covered in his blood, as soon as he touches that cross, he is now ceremonially unclean. In other words, this 900-mile trip he's taken is for nothing. He just flushed it down the toilet. How many of you have ever been on a vacation and it didn't turn out like you thought? You ever had one of those? And it's an inconvenience, isn't it? And it's frustrating, isn't it? And that's exactly, I want you to emotionally put yourself in Simon's position. That's what's just happened to him, guys. But this may be a a once-in-a-lifetime trip for him. It wasn't like he jumped on an airplane and five hours later he's there. He's been traveling for weeks. He may have planned on this his whole life. We don't know. But it was a huge deal. And all of a sudden, in a moment, it's gone. Right place at the wrong time or the wrong place at the right time? I want you to look at your notes or look on the screen. got a quote you've heard me say before, but I want you to hear this. It's from an author named Mark Batterson. God is great at getting us where he wants us to go. But here's the catch. The right place often seems like the wrong place. And the right time often seems like the wrong time. Let me say that again. The right place often seems like the wrong place. And the right time often seems like the wrong time. I talked last week about crossroads. And for our purposes, a crossroad is defined as a place where you have an encounter with God. It's a moment in time where your life intersects the divine. And there's that moment where you and Jesus intercept. Maybe for some of you it was church camp. Maybe for some of you it was at a revival. Maybe for some of you it was here. Wherever it is, it's a God moment. It's a God moment. And Simon has just had his When he intersects Jesus on that road, he's thrust into a situation where now he's got to make a decision. I want you to understand today, the Bible is full of crossroads like this. As an example, Moses in the burning bush. He's walking along and he sees a bush burning and the Bible tells us that he turned towards it. He's at a crossroads and it changes his life forever. David and Goliath. Changes his life forever. Rahab and the spies. We talked about that last week. Paul on the road to Damascus where he has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus at the cross. These moments in time where we intersect with God and how we respond to these crossroads can dictate what happens to us the rest of our lives. And so it is with Simon. And so it is with us. What are we going to do at the crossroads? I wanted to talk today about this because I believe 
that if you guys will take to heart these next few moments, there's some of you that are at a crossroads right now. I, I thought this was a wonderful sermon for our graduates who are at crossroads right now. The decisions they make going forward. Where am I going to go to college? Where am I going to go to work? Who am I going to date? Who am I going to marry? These huge decisions are beginning to come across their path. And what they decide in some of those instances is going to dictate how the rest of their life is going to go. But it's no different for you if you're 65. What are you going to do when you encounter Jesus? So what do we do when these moments come? Look at your notes. Look on the screens. The first thing you have to do is you have to recognize the opportunity. You have to recognize you're at a crossroad. And the reason I wrote this down is that many of us miss opportunities because we never saw them in the first place. We never recognized the opportunity was there. We didn't realize that we were at a crossroads. And it's usually because we're so busy doing our own thing that we're unaware of what's going on around us. You say, well, Pastor, explain that to me. Well, how many of you have ever heard you can't see the forest for the trees? And that's what happens to us so many times in life. How many of you would say right now, you're too busy? Raise your hands. Let me see. Some of you are lying. You're so busy. You're like, Pastor, I'm so busy I can't even raise my hand. But our lives just seem so busy, don't they? And the problem with that is, is that we're going so fast that we miss the opportunities that are all around us every day. You've heard the term stop and smell the roses. Well, I would, but I'm too busy. And the problem that we can run into is that God is speaking to us and God is sending us opportunities, but we're so busy we don't even recognize the opportunities when they come up. In business, the people that tend to be the most successful are the ones that recognize opportunities. They see what nobody else sees. And the reason they see it is because they're looking for it. We'll, we'll use the term, we'll say, well, that person's just lucky. You know, I've learned in life that luck is, is spelled hard work. And luck is spelled looking. And it's not just your talent. It's not just your ability. It's not just being at the right place at the right time. It's understanding that God is orchestrating situations around you, but you're looking for them. And if you're so busy walking around like this, you're never going to see anything. Let's look at number two. Say yes. And then I want you to write this out beside it, to God. Say yes. To God. Say, Pastor, what does that mean? Many times we'll see the opportunity, but we decide we don't want to do it. We decide, well, God, I know that'd probably be something you'd want me to do, but I don't think I'm going to do that. And ultimately, here in this specific situation, I'm talking about saying yes to God for salvation, receiving that salvation. And most of us in this room today have done that. We have said yes to God when we cried out to him. And for some of us, it was really easy. If you were like me, you were at a dead end. And if he didn't help you, you didn't know what you are going to (laughs) do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But for some of us, it was saying yes to him early on in our life. Look at number three. Decide now to say yes to God. Now, this is where I really want to go into detail with you. I was thinking of an illustration this week, and I couldn't think of a better one. And so I talked to the creative team, and this is the one I'm going to use. I was looking back at our life many years ago, six years ago, when we first came here. And I remember being down in Texas, and I was with Pastor Jim 
uh, in Victoria, and he was actually at this time, he was off at a conference, and he was praying for the staff. And my name came across his heart, and he was praying for me, and God said, stop, Jim, I want to talk to you about Chris for a little while. And he said, I want to talk to you about Chris going and being a senior pastor. He and Trish going off to be senior pastors. Well, at the same time, God had just started to put into my heart to go do that. But, but I didn't know if I wanted to say yes or not. See, I'm getting real right now. I, you know, we had to get to the place in our life where we were going to say yes or not to God. Because, see, the truth is, for many of us, we want to say yes to God as long as we're okay with it. Let me back up. When I was growing up, I thought if you really said yes to God, you were going to end up on a mission field in Africa. Come on, let's get real. Was I the only one that ever thought that? Was there anybody else that thought that? Thank you. There's one other person. I am weird. I'm sorry. I, I, but I really thought if you really went all in with God, that's where the people that went all in with God, that's what happened. In other words, God was going to send you somewhere you didn't want to go. You understand? That, that if you really jumped in all in with God, he was going to make you do something you didn't want to do. So my saying yes to God was conditional on whether I wanted to do it or not. Is this getting real for anybody? So this point is you got to say yes to God unconditionally. If you're really sold out for Christ, Preston, if you're really in, you, you say, God, you guide my steps wherever you want me to go. Brandon, do you understand me? It's God, I'm here. Send me. And that can be anywhere. That can be Arkansas. (laughs) Back to our story. So you know what Trish and I decided to do? We decided that we were going to trust God with everything. And then... Pastor Jim called me, and I talked to Trish, and I said, well, yeah, God's been speaking to me about that a little bit. And he said, well, we don't need to get in a hurry. I forgot to mention this first service. He said, let's just take some time, and we'll just we'll pray about it, and we'll see what God does. And I said, well, how do you think I should start? And he said, well, first thing is, are we, are we willing? And we were willing. And so then he said, well, let's just send out a couple of resumes. So I sent out a resume. Well, a couple of days later, Marty calls me. This time last year, it was this week last year, Six years ago, I'm sorry, six years ago. Time flies. (laughs) So six years ago, thank you. You guys are so sweet to bring up those things. Um, And he's on the way to Canada, and we talked for six, eight hours. I don't know how long we talked, on and off, literally almost all night long as he's driving, and he was telling me about you guys. (laughs) Two weeks later, we're on an airplane. And Dennis Sublet picks us up, which was the first sign that I should have thought of. What in the world are we getting into? <laughs> y'all need to read that. Next time you say, you know, think about it, y'all. Come on, really. <laughs> that was the test. We passed the dentist test. And two weeks after that, we're back, and you guys voted us in. Unanimously, by the way, so that's on y'all. <laughs> so from the time... We said yes to God to the time we were, we were up here was like less than six weeks. It was that fast. What some of you don't know is the other church that we interviewed in was in Tyler, Texas, which is my hometown. My parents lived 20 minutes from the church that we interviewed at. I thought this is a no-brainer. 
we'll be in Tyler. And I remember walking out of the church. We'd been here first. And I remember walking out of the church, and Trisha's standing right beside me. And she looks over at me, and she goes, we're going to Arkansas, aren't we? I go, yep, we're going to Arkansas. I couldn't think of a better illustration. Didn't know you guys, had never been out of, worked anywhere other than Texas. Didn't know, I mean, and here we are. But I also look and I think, what if we'd have said no? What if we'd have said no? What if we'd have said, I don't think so, God. I don't feel like doing that. My family would be different. There might be a few more people that didn't get saved. We don't realize the implications of when we say no to God and when we say yes to God. And Simon said yes. So let's look at what happened. So Simon says yes to God, and he picks up the cross, and now he's unclean. But what's interesting about Simon, guys, what's interesting about him is he stands up there, and now he witnesses the crucifixion firsthand. He sees it happen. He's got Jesus' blood on him. Interestingly, Simon the Cyrene was the first person to be covered in Jesus' blood, the Passover lamb. But the scripture tells us if you look that something else happens. Notice back in Mark chapter 15 verse 21. Let's look at that again. What does that say? It says, they pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene. And then they have in parentheses, the father of Alexander and Rufus. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but who cares? I mean, why why would Mark write the father of Alexander and Rufus? I'm going to tell you why. Mark was writing this letter to the church at Rome. And the reason he included the name of Alexander and Rufus is that Alexander and Rufus, when Simon went home, he shared what had happened. And he and his whole family were converted to Christianity. And Rufus and Alexander became missionaries and went to Rome. And when they went to Rome, they were embedded in the church in Rome And so Mark is writing and he's saying, hey guys, I'm writing you this letter. And he says, look, this was about Simon, who by the way is the father of Rufus and Alexander, who you know. Your friends, their father saw this happen. He was doing it as a mark of saying, you know these guys. And he was a firsthand example of what had happened, a real account. He said yes, and his sons ended up in the ministry impacting thing but it even goes beyond that and I think this next one honestly in my opinion is the coolest one of all it's the coolest thing of all of it look at Romans chapter 16 what verse is it Becky 13 let's put it up on the screen this is the apostle Paul talking to the same church at Rome right Romans to Rome. So he wrote this to the church at Rome. And he says, greet Rufus, who, by the way, is the same Rufus who's the son of Simon. And look at the next statement. He says, chosen in the Lord. Was it a coincidence that the Roman soldier picked out Simon? No. God moved his hand. And look at the next statement. Chosen in the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me, Two, (laughs) look at this. 
Look at point number four. Decide now to say yes is three. Number four is our crossroad decisions impact our legacy. Our crossroad decisions impact our legacy. When Simon said yes, he went home and shared the gospel with his family. His sons go to Rome and are instrumental in the church growing in Rome. But not only that, but Simon's wife becomes a surrogate mother to the apostle Paul who writes two-thirds of the New Testament and is probably the greatest evangelist in the history of the world. Because Simon said yes. It's amazing to me. Just a man, a footnote in biblical history. And because he said yes, it changed his legacy. And how many hundreds or maybe thousands of people were impacted by his sons and also his wife? It's amazing. What about you? What about you? And I was thinking about this, that each of us has that decision. And I want to tell you something. Being a sold-out, committed Christian, and I'm not even close to where I need to be, is very exciting. Anybody that says Christianity is boring, <laughs> when you sign up to be in the military, you raise your right hand and you said, I'll go wherever you want me to go, and I'll do everything up and to giving my life. Same way with police officers. You take that oath. And when you become a believer, it's exactly the same thing. You are no longer yours. The Bible tells us, the Apostle Paul says, you are no longer yours. You are bought with a price. And I want to tell you guys something. As believers, we have got to get to the place where we are all in. Where we say yes to God even before we know. How many of you of your kids have come up and said, I need you to say yes, but I want you to say yes before I tell you what it is. Anybody ever had a kid do that? It doesn't get better as they get older, <laughs> okay? Hey, I'm going to ask you something, but I need you to say yes first. <laughs> what you've got to decide now is, am I willing to say yes to God no matter what? Am I willing to do that? Because that, to me, guys, is the ultimate test. Wherever he leads us, wherever we go, whatever he asks us to do, we do it. And I really want you to search your heart today. And I want to tell our graduates, but I really want to tell all you guys, make that commitment now that I'm going to say yes to God no matter what. And if you do that, you will have a life that is amazing. You'll have a life that you could have never imagined. And some of you, I know, as I'm saying this, it scares you half to death. What if he asks me to? Well, what if he does ask you to? He might ask you to go to Arkansas. He might even ask you to go to Texas <laughs> or New York, you know. He might ask you to love your neighbor. He might ask you to walk across the hall at school and talk to that person that nobody else wants to talk to. That's what he's probably going to ask you to do. Are you willing? Are you willing? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for people like Simon that are just folks. Lord, they're just like us. The difference, Lord, between many of us and them is that we 
are not at the place where we've just said yes completely. Be honest with yourself this morning. It's between you and God. Many of us today, and most of us here, by far, just there's a huge majority of believers, a huge majority of Christians that are in this room today. But, but I want to ask you a question. Have you given him everything? Have you said yes unconditionally? Are you at that place? And I would just ask you right now to search your heart and ask yourself that question. Am I all in or is it conditional? Is it, is it I'm in as long as I want to be in? Lord, I know that you've called us just to surrender everything. Lord, to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to you. That when you speak, Lord, and you call us, we'll answer. That, Father, when, when you send us, we'll go. Lord, I think of that time that you were out with the disciples and you're walking through a field and all the wheat was ready for harvest. And Lord, you said, the Bible tells us that you looked, but then it says you saw. And I wonder how many times we look around us, but we don't see. That we don't have to go to Africa or India, or South America, that, Lord, right now, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our local stores, are people that are dying. But do we even see? Lord, we realize the only Bible most people are ever going to read is us. What do they see? Am I committed to you, or is it conditional? to search our hearts today if you're here today and again nobody looking around this is, this is such an important thing nobody looking around if you're here today and you're a believer but you've never really given everything you've, you've never really said yes to God completely but you want to do that I want you to just stick your hand up right now and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. I see your hands. Amen. Such an important thing. Lord, I'm going to give you everything. Let's all stand this morning. I want you to do something. I just want you to take your hand this morning. I want you to put it over your heart. And and here's why. You say, well, Pastor, why do you do that? We're not saying the Pledge of Allegiance. No, we're not. But your heart represents the center of who you are. And what I want you to do right now is just really look inside your heart. And we're going to pray this together. If you raised your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to, I want all of us to pray this just as a declaration today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, look in my heart. I haven't given you everything. But today, I want to make that decision to give you my life. To love people the way you do. To forgive people the way you do. Help me see people like you do.
this morning had a guy at service. Shane Russell was in first service, and Shane won't mind if I tell this, but at our men's Bible study on Friday, we were talking about forgiveness, and Shane said, that was the hardest thing for me because there's some people in my life I really didn't want to forgive. If that's my mom, just tell her I'll call her back. It'll be okay. (laughs) But he said that was the hardest thing in the world for me was to forgive some people. He said, but when I finally did it, it changed everything. And I would say for some of you, if there are people in your life that you haven't forgiven, it's the thing that will hold you back the most. Because Jesus said, if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. You've got to let it go. Let him change your heart and make you the person that you always wanted to be. I'm going to bless you as you go. Father, I just pray as we leave this place that your spirit would be with us and be in us. Lord, help us to be the people that we always wanted to be, the the husbands, the, the mothers, the fathers, Lord, the grandmothers, the grandfathers, the aunts and uncles, the friends. Lord, help us to be the people. Help us to see the world through your eyes. Change us, Lord, as we surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, here's what I want you to do as you leave today. I want you to high-five three people and look at them and say, I see the superhero in you. Y'all get out of here.